Good morning, Loma Linda. Well, as Terry mentioned, I'm currently a second year medical student, um, originally from Maryland. I heard a few cheers, so it's good to know some people from Maryland are here too. But um, they told me that medical school would be intense when I got here, but I didn't know just how intense it would be. Uh, to give you an idea, last year, September, no, not last year, the 2010, when I first got here, in September, I met the girl of my dreams. I asked her to be my girlfriend in December of that year, and then I proposed to her at the end of April during final exams, <laughs> and I just got married this past July. So, just a few days ago, we celebrated our seventh month of marriage. So, <laughs> medical school has been intense. You know, when people ask me, they say, you know, John, how is it that you met someone and got married so quickly after you came to Loma Linda? You know, I tell them, one of the first things I did when I got here was I got on my knees and I said, Lord, medical school is going to be intense. And I'm going to dedicate the next four years of my life to you. So please keep me from distractions, help me to put the blinders on, <laughs> and help me to remove all thought of relationships from my mind while I studied to become a physician after your own heart. And less than a year after I prayed that prayer, I was married. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. You know? you know, when I was a first year last year, I remember feeling very overwhelmed as a first year. Um, the very first lecture of the year was an anatomy lecture. And I don't know if that was the case for you first-year med students this year, but it was by Dr. Nava. And he went through what was apparently a brief overview of everything we were going to learn that quarter. But I must have zoned out when he mentioned that part, because I thought we were accountable for everything that day. And so he proceeded to cover about a good half of the body in one lecture. And at the end of it, I remember going home, getting on my knees and saying, Lord, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's, for the first time in my life, my problem wasn't understanding the material, but not having enough time to study all the material in the amount of time I had. And so I spent a good chunk of my first year not so much learning, but learning how to learn, if that makes sense. And in the process of doing so, I discovered that school can make you very one-dimensional. Have any of you experienced that? I'm sure you have. You know, the stakes are really high, so our fear of failure rises. You know, our careers are on the line. We borrow a lot of money to come to school here. We invest a lot of time. So with all these things on the line, the fear of failure drives you to be extremely, extremely focused in your studies. So without you even noticing, school becomes your entire purpose in life. Your whole goal in life while you're here, um, at least it was for me last year, your whole goal in life becomes to do well in your studies. And just to give you an idea of what was happening, I started, you know, Pastor Terry mentioned how we maximize your time. You know, med students are smart. You know what's worth your time and what's not worth, worth your time. So I started looking at my schedule and just trying to figure out where can I get extra precious hours for studying. So I discovered that if I simply skipped lunch and had two meals a day, I could study one extra hour every day, five days a week. And you may laugh at that, but that adds up to five hours of extra studying per week, which is almost an entire day's worth of extra studying. So I started doing that. 
I started taking my notes with me into the bathroom <laughs> because I decided, you know, I wasn't doing anything useful in there anyway. So <laughs> I might as well study, right? You know, with this kind of mentality, it's really easy to let your devotional life slip. And when you have the mentality of maximizing every second of your time, even when you're doing your devotionals in the morning, when I was spending time with God in the morning, in the back of my mind, I found out that I couldn't concentrate because in the back of my mind, I wasn't studying it, and I was worried about the time that I was spending. So ultimately, I discovered that it boils down to a prioritization problem. You know, whether consciously or unconsciously, school can take a higher priority than God. And you can test for this in your own life by seeing how much time do you spend with God personally? Do you give the first fruits of your time to Him in the morning? Or do you give Him the leftovers, you know, as you're running out the door? If you're honest with yourself in your heart, you know whether or not you've been making school a higher priority with, than God. And for a time in my life, I was. And the question I want you to ask yourselves is, can Jesus say to you the same thing he said to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2.4, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Can he say that to you? Well, let's back up for a minute and let's talk about what causes anxiety and stress to begin with. You know, I have boards coming up in a few months, and I know some of you can relate with that, maybe second-year dental students. Um, and a lot of you have large exams looming right up ahead, too. You know, it's a very stressful time. But ultimately, what's the reason why we become stressed out? I would submit to you that the only reason why we feel fear, which causes our stress, is that we're trusting in our own abilities to get us through. Is that right? If you're trusting in your own ability to get you through this, you do have good reason to fear because you know yourself and you know that you are 100% capable of letting yourself down, okay? <laughs> a couple of years ago, I went to um, what I considered to be the most beautiful of the Hawaiian islands, Kauai, and coincidentally, that's where I spent my honeymoon. But the first time I was there, I decided to do something exciting and I decided to go on a powered hang gliding excursion. And for those of you who don't know what this is, imagine like a tricycle with a propeller in the back and a hang glider attached to the top. And it's a completely open cockpit, two seats, you're sitting in the front, the instructor's sitting in the back. And I remember going up on this thing and there's a handlebar you use to control this thing. And the instructor told me at one point, go ahead and feel free to use the handlebars and guide the powered hang glider. So I went ahead and I did it. And as we were soaring, um, something happened. I must have hit like a pocket of air that, that sharply dipped our hang glider downwards. So in fear, I instinctively pushed so that we would go up. And when I did that, the instructor suddenly from behind me gently put his hands on the handlebar and guided us back down. And he explained to me that what was happening was that there was a draft coming up from the side of the mountain and that if we went up higher, we'd be caught right in the middle of it, which would be a certain doom. And so, and so he decided maybe now is when I should intervene to get you underneath that draft. You know, when I became afraid, well, I became afraid because at that moment, I forgot the instructor was behind me. I forgot that at the end of the day, it wasn't me who was driving this thing, you know? And with my limited wisdom, I thought we should go up. 
But with his wisdom, the instructor knew we should go down. It didn't make sense to me, but he was there guiding me. The question I want to ask you is, when you get anxious, do you often forget that God is there? You know, so often we see our hands on the handlebar of our lives that we think it is us, that, it is us who's in control of this thing. But if you look at the story of your life and about how God brought you here, ask yourself, was it really you? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, I'm sure most of you know this verse, but it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. The best cure for fear, dear friends, is trust. Even though it looks like our hands are guiding this thing, we have to know that we have to trust in the Lord to direct our lives. But look at this verse. Notice that the only way you can trust is if you don't lean on your own understanding. That's so important. You know, you might not understand a lot of things. You might not understand how getting serious about your Bible studies has any bearing on your school life. You might not understand how God can help you after you failed your last round of exams. How is he going to get me out of this mess? You might not understand how spending more time with God in prayer might be the answer to your problem of having so little time to begin with. But remember, if you understood everything, it wouldn't be called trust, would it? If you never made yourself vulnerable to God, if you tried controlling all the variables, it wouldn't be called faith, right? You see, the promise that God will direct our paths can only be claimed if we fulfill its requirement of trust. Remember that. Look at the second part. Look at verse 6 here. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. The Hebrew word for this, uh, the, for this word acknowledge, it literally means to know. So what this verse is telling us is that in all our ways, we are to know that the Lord is leading us. You know, too often, we forget that we've asked God to orchestrate the events of our lives. You know, what's the reason why you're going to school anyway? Is your ultimate goal in school to get good grades? Is that your ultimate goal? Or is your ultimate goal to fulfill God's purpose for your life? Ask yourself that question. Now, I'm not saying that good grades aren't important, but they shouldn't be of primary importance. Are you studying for your own glory or are you studying for God's glory? If you're studying for God's glory, then all you need to do, all he asks you to do, is to do your best. And you know what that is. When you've done your best, you've studied as long as you can, your brain is tired, your body is tired, you did the best you could on that exam, but you got a lot wrong anyway. In your, <laughs> in your heart of hearts, you know if that was your best. You gave it your all. And if you did, guess what? The ball is in God's court. You're asking him to guide you anyway, right? What, do you guys remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25? how there's three servants, and this master gives each of them different amounts of talents. He gives five to one, two to another, and one to another. And the, and the, and the uh, slaves with five and two talents, what do they do? They go invest with it, they double it, and when the master comes back, who had more talents? Well, the guy who had five, right? Because he had 10 at the end. But to the guy who had two and doubled his and came up with four, what did the master say? The same thing he said to the slave who had more talents. He said, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. You see, God is not calling all of us to be the top of our classes. We may want that for ourselves, but God is not calling all of us to be that position. He's simply calling us to be faithful stewards of the talents and abilities he's given us. And if you're faithful to that charge, he will tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Keep that in mind. To covet more than that, to look next to you and to look at someone who's doing better than you and to covet that is, a, is breaking the 10th commandment, right? You're coveting something that God did not give you stewardship over. Here's the really tough question that I want you to ask. Do you trust God enough that even if you fail in school and have to drop out after having tried your best, that you will still acknowledge that he's leading your life or will it destroy you? We need to be like Joseph, who trusted in God even after he was thrown in jail, remember, for remaining faithful to him. You know, there was no way for Joseph to know that by being thrown into prison, God was positioning him to serve in the palace. Similarly, when bad things happen to our lives, we need to acknowledge that God is still leading in our lives and that he knows what he's doing. And because we have no idea what he has planned for us, we just do our best. When Abraham answered God's call to leave his land and his people, you know, he wasn't worried about where God was taking him. He didn't ask God what kind of land it was, what opportunities for generating wealth there would be. He's, all he cared about was that God wanted him to go there, and so he went. The happiest place on earth for Abraham to be was in the center of God's will. Is that the happiest place on earth for you to be, the center of God's will? So this should be our attitude in school. So as you go about your studies, I pray that you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. I pray that you will not lean on your own understanding. And I pray that in all your ways, you acknowledge him. And then I pray that the Lord will direct your paths. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for every, each and every student in this room. I pray that you will lead them, direct their paths, and turn them into the men and women that you made them to be. Thank you so much, Lord. All these things I pray in your name. Amen. Searching for someone to bring me back to love. Cause I've heard tales of golden streets above. But I can't help but wonder where you are. When will you come back and show me your scars? But don't leave me here. Don't leave me here and you say, let me love you like the ocean loves a hurricane. When I'm breaking down your, your walls, please don't turn away. Let me love you like the ocean loves a hurricane. When I'm breaking down your, your walls, please don't turn away. 
been holding on to nothing but fortune and fame. And my heart's doubting this, but I'm the one to blame. Cause it's so hard to give it all to you when I'm so broken. Searching for a truth, oh, but don't leave me. Please don't turn away. Let me love you like the ocean loves a hurricane. When I'm breaking down your your walls, please don't turn away. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace, mercy, and blessings of God be upon you today. Anna is me. My name is Emanuela Jen. I'm a student in the School of Public Health, Health Department, and Promotion and Department. Any School of Public Health in the house? Yeah. Marhaba bikum. Welcome. I want to share with you about my Peace Corps experience and how the experience changed me and made me into who I am today. It's an interesting experience because little did I know that Mauritania would be the place where I found God. Mauritania is in the northwest region of Africa. This is where I served two years in the, as a community health volunteer in the Peace Corps. And as it is, it so happened that it is the National Peace Corps Week, and I would like to acknowledge my return Peace Corps fellow volunteers who are here with us today. There are three of them here. Um, again, I cannot begin to explain to you how the Lord has led me through an experience, through a journey in the desert of Mauritania. Mauritania is a desert country. It's 80% um, desert land. And I, I had no idea this is where I was going to find God. 
by the way, I am wearing a full-length veil called a mulafa. A mulafa is what the Moorish women of the Sahara Desert wear. And I was there as a Peace Corps volunteer. And I want to share with you that if you call upon the Lord, he will hear you. I want to share with you that if you seek him with all of your heart, he will, you'll find him. As growing up as a Christian in a conservative Christian home, I knew of God. I also know about church and how to be a good Christian to earn points with God. But one thing I didn't have is, you know, his peace. I did not have a really deep, meaningful relationship with him. So I thought to myself, uh, God, I needed some excitement in my life. I really want to get to know you more. I want to, to learn more about you and to trust you more. Little did I know the Peace Corps experience actually became that point for me. It was right after college, my sister came home with a brochure similar to this that says United States Peace Corps. And actually it says the toughest job you'll ever love. I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. I really needed a change because I was working at the time as a um, Haitian um, advocate to the, in the Haitian community in Orange County Public Schools in Orlando, Florida. And I thought, well, I could take two years of my life and, and, and serve in the Peace Corps. But that experience really changed me because there I found God. Interestingly, the day I received my letter of invitation to serve in Mauritania, actually I didn't even know where Mauritania was. <laughs> Most people usually ask, where is Mauritania? That's the same way I felt, where is Mauritania? The little that I learned about Mauritania, in fact, the country description was not too interesting because it says Mauritania is 80% desert, it is an Arab uh, country, and I thought, I'm an island girl. I'm from the island, I was born in Haiti. But I want some excitement, I wanted some, some change, and I wanted to really get to know God during that two-year experience. And so the, the letter I, I received, in fact, the day I received the letter, I was so excited, but yet a little bit hesitant about, about to be embarked in, in, to a trip to Mauritania. Interestingly, I got into an, a car accident a day after I received the letter that almost killed me, believe it or not. The day after I received the letter, what did that tell me? I thought, well, that must be a sign from God that one, maybe I'm not supposed to go on this journey. But then actually what it actually taught me was that God really loves me. He also had a plan for my life and that he also wanted me to be prayed up for this experience. Well, arriving in Mauritania, I had brought with me my Bible, actually. I, I said, you know, if I'm going to go on this journey, I better, be, you know, I better go with my Bible. So I did pack my Bible. I also packed lots of toilet paper. Don't ask me why I did that, because <laughs> I never got to use toilet paper in Mauritania. I'll spare you the details of what, how, what ended up happening with that. But um, Mauritania was an interesting experience, because I lived in a Moorish village in the, re in the very remote region of Mauritania. And as you can see in some of the pictures that I have here, um, if, it, if it'll come, there, that's me, your island girl, in the middle of a remote village in Mauritania by the well. Doing my preschool training, I received technical training, language training in Hassaniya. Hassaniya is a dialect of Arabic, and I had to learn how to do presentation among, uh, to teach the Moors about different health 
help behavior changes. Uh, my time in Mauritania became a moment where I really used that time to get to know the Lord. And uh, I began to fear. I began to really doubt whether this was God's plans for me. And he showed me in his word, actually, and you can see in uh, Philippians 4.13. He gave me the scripture, which really helped me throughout my time in the, in the desert. Basically, this is what Mauritania looks like. It says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And that scripture became a spiritual vitamin for me daily because I would look at that scripture. In fact, I had it posted on my mud hut in the, in the village where I lived. And that was what I used all the time. I would repeat it to myself. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. There were times I had to do projects. I had to do presentation in Hassania, the, uh, the Arabic dialect, and building latrines. There were times where I had Georgia. Yes, Georgia, it's common among Peace Corps volunteers. They can tell you that, that we experience hallucination, which is another uh, side effect when you're on medic malaria medication, which we, Peace Corps, we were issued to do or else. And also I experienced homesickness and loneliness and all kinds of interesting things. But the Lord was always reminding me that he brought me to Mauritania because he wanted me to know that not only does he love me, but that he had a plan for my life. And that if I, had tr if I trust him during those times where I needed to depend on him, that he will be there for me, and he was there for me. Also, and an another turning point for me was 9-11. I experienced 9-11 in Mauritania. It was a turning point for me because it was a very, very scary moment for most of the volunteers at that time who were in Mauritania. I was conflicted whether I should continue to stay in Mauritania, whether I should go home. But the Lord reminded me in Psalms 91, which became a very comforting psalm for me, which says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And yes, those pestilence were the blisters, beetles, the mosquitoes and the scorpions that did attack me at night in my mud hut, believe it or not. And so those scriptures, those words became so real to me. God's word became real to me because I learned to trust him. I learned to find him in the desert of Mauritania. And I also learned that he had a great plan for my life. He spared me from that accident. Like I shared with you, I don't know. I look back, I said, I almost died the day after I received a letter to go to Mauritania in the Peace Corps. But that was all to tell me that how much he loved me. You know, 10 minutes is not even enough for me to begin sharing with you how much the Lord means to me and what he has done for me. I, I don't have the, the, the time to share all that with you, but I think within this few minutes that I did, I think my heart was to let God be glorified in me and what he has done in my life. And for many of you here, this is your desert experience right here in, Mor in not Mauritania, but here at Loma Linda, but this could be your Mauritanian experience too, by the way. Um, Mauritania is a hardship country, believe it or not. In fact, it is considered one of the highest dropout rates for Peace Corps. So I knew I needed to have God on my side. 
um, the fear, the doubts, even when I had to do a project where there were, you know, we had to plan fund, you know, for funds, for funding, and I thought, Lord, I can't do this. I can't speak. I can't go out to speak with the people in the village. Adjusting to a new culture was all difficult, but with God, all things were possible. And he's continued to show me that if I continue to trust him, if I continue to depend on him, that all things are possible. And interestingly, it was after 9-11 um, that another interesting thing that the Lord did for me, in addition to drawing me closer to him, was that he led me to be connected with a, with a SDA, Seventh-day Adventist um, couple who are working for ADRA. ADRA is the Adventist Development Relief Agency. It's a humanitarian, um, SDA-funded um, NGO. And it was during that time that this couple really encouraged me because I was really feeling homesick because it was right after 9-11, but they showed me some interesting things in his word. And that word, those times became the time that I realized the Lord brought me to Mauritania for a reason. And for you, the Lord brought you here for a reason. It is hard, I know. It's hard for me. Even being told to come and speak before you is a miracle, but I know God is real to me. He has done so much for me, and to God be the glory. And for, for me to share with you today, I know that if he can do it for me and through me, he can do it for you. And um, I want to let you know that with God, all things are possible. If you seek him, you will find him. If you, find, if you seek him with all of your heart, and that's what I did. And allow him to go through the experience with you when you're in the desert, your desert. I mean, Loma Linda is your desert experience, by the way. So then allow him to go through this experience with you. Shukran, which means thank you. Jazakallah echer, and that means may God grant you goodness. Thank you. <laughs> 